Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Fuck you, Ken. Welcome to another episode of Post Credits with Gil Garcia. Today we have the highly anticipated review of Greta Gerwig's Barbie. So I'm going to cut straight to the chase. Let's get into Act 1. Barbie stars Margot Robbie as stereotypical Barbie, Ryan Gosling as stereotypical Ken. We have America Ferreira, Simu Liu, Emma Mackey, Will Ferrell, Michael Cera, Rhea Perlman. This film is loaded with cameos and all-stars, and it is very divisive. And that's to say, this is a Greta Gerwig film at its core. Let me tell you a little bit about my backstory with Greta Gerwig films. This is technically her fourth directorial film. Uh, She started off with a movie in 2008 called Nights and Weekends. And of course, she hit it big with Lady Bird back in 2017, the Academy Award-nominated film. Then Little Women, and now she's doing Barbie. I did not like Lady Bird. I'm going to be upfront and say it. I think Lady Bird is just not my cup of tea. Um, It's very cleverly written, but I I did not like it whatsoever. Uh, Little Women, on the other hand, I loved. I, I thought Little Women was a really good film. Now, that being said, Little Women was adapted from a script from the original book, whereas Lady Bird was completely original that Gerwig penned herself. So I had skeptical outlook going into this film, whether or not Greta Gerwig was going to inject more Lady Bird into the story than Little Women, because, like I said, the two movies are different, but I enjoyed one more than the other. Um, So my expectations going into this film was that I just wanted to have a good time. I wanted it to be fun, outlandish, colorful, exciting and what i got was uh something completely different um i did do the double feature where i went to go watch uh, barbie and oppenheimer i watched oppenheimer first which caused a completely neck snapping juxtaposition between the two movies and all i could say is like one film is a politically charged extravaganza that will captivate the audience with its clear social messaging about the consequences of one man and the other is oppenheimer <laughs> um yeah this movie is uh is something which is why i wanted to dive directly into it no sugar coating around it i want to dig in cuz this could be a long episode guys i'm going to be honest with you this is there's a lot to talk about with barbie that I was not anticipating, and I'm excited to get into this because this movie has me ping-ponging. I, I, on some days, I really like it. Some days, I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck did I watch? Um, but we'll discuss it a little bit more. It is, uh, it is very divisive. Now, with that being said, let's go over this week's outlook for the show. As I mentioned, I did do the double feature, which means that I'm going to have two episodes for you this week. I thought about spacing them out and doing one week as Barbie, one week as Oppenheimer, or vice versa, but I would rather give both reviews out in the same week while these films are still fresh so that people can generate their own opinion about these movies before they actually go out and see them since they are hot commodities. 
Um, so this week I'm going to produce both episodes. Monday I'll have Barbie up, and on Wednesday I will have the Oppenheimer review up. If you subscribe to the Apple Podcast or the Spotify RSS, then you'll get both episodes, and you can watch them however order you wish. And it won't disrupt my scheduling. That's the best part. I still want to do a a review next week um, on Monday so that it basically feels like you get a free episode. Three episodes in two weeks sounds very good to me. Um, But I'm not going to spoil what next week's episode is going to be. You're just going to have to listen to the Oppenheimer episode for my clue. And I'm going to tell you the next episode is. So with all that out of the way, let's dig into Act 2. So let's be upfront about this. This is a very political film, and it was not intended to be subtle in any way. It's loud, it's pink, and it's clearly supposed to be a triumphant celebration of the female spirit. And if you go into this movie expecting it to be some type of like romantic comedy about Barbie and Ken falling in love and, and being super happy all the time, then you're in for a bad time. This is a very in-your-face film about its messaging. But I do have to credit Greta Gerwig for this. She did not make this just Transformers for Women. It is not your stereotypical romantic comedy. Instead, she wrote a clever script that incorporates the real-world perception of Barbie and her own delusional fantasy about Barbie Land. It also upholds some very big critical divisiveness of Barbie and her history in the 50s, 60s, and 70s about what she did to oppress a female self-image. It's very clever. This movie holds no bars when it comes to its feminist messaging. Dialogue at points sometimes sounds like it's ripped straight from a 20-year-old college dissertation about the male gaze and gender studies and stuff like that, so... There's no subtlety to this. It's intended to be designed to almost lecture you. Is it bad because of that? Depends on your threshold for this type of messaging. The -the over-the-head dialogue for me was like a double-edged sword. It cuts straight to the point, packing punches towards masculinity. But at times, it sounded like the characters were like AI, delivering such eloquent and deliberate speeches that came off kind of robotic and not very true to their character or spirit. So in that way, I kind of have to knock the film down only because there are ways to be sarcastic, ways to develop satire without being in your face, boom, take it or leave it, and straight up like almost like they're demeaning you in a way. And this movie can come across like that. You can feel it talking down to you or talking to you instead of letting the characters openly express themselves naturally. So with that being said, I'm going to address it right out the bat. I am not in the target demographic for this movie. It's clearly not intended for the general cis heterosexual white male that I am. And the obnoxious overgeneralization of the male characters in this movie punch at the gut of people like myself that are watching this film, especially those that are watching it with their girlfriends. (laughs) It's not necessarily a bad thing. Exaggerating the point of the messaging is exactly what this film needed to do. It has the platform to reach the audiences to get this message across. Obviously, if the film was subtle or if 
it was an independent film with the same messaging, it would go by deaf ears. But this is the clearest and the biggest way that Greta Gerwig can punch these societal issues across. For me, I appreciate the film for what it's trying to do. I think it is the right platform for this kind of messaging. Doesn't make it enjoyable for me. Some cases, yes. I think there are a lot of scenes here that I enjoy, that I will probably watch again when it comes to On Demand. But at the same time, I think I would not show this to my family members, so to speak. I think it is clearly designed for an adult audience, although kids will love the neon pink and the colorful set designs that these amazing filmmakers did for us. But the story is going to go so above the children's heads that they're not going to understand any of this. I do wish Greta Gerwig gave some redeeming qualities to the male characters here. I feel like they are very stereotypical and uh, one note, especially the Mattel executives. Like that, that plot line alone, oh man, we got to discuss that. I think that plot line alone kind of knocks down this movie a peg for me. But with that being said, there's a lot of great performances here. I mentioned that they do talk about the male gaze and fragile masculinity, and that cannot be said without Ryan Gosling's performance. Gosling was a cartoon here. He was extremely over the top, but I enjoyed it. He was very fun to watch. He he did also bring a sympathetic aspect to Ken that I was not expecting out of. So for that reason alone, Ryan Gosling was a standout in this movie, despite the fact that he is so one note and kind of uh, kind of uh, antagonistic. Uh, one character I did not expect to really like, but I did, was America Ferreira's Gloria. She's presented as an everyday woman that works at Mattel, who uh, ends up in this predicament because of Barbie coming into the real world. And Gloria does bring a lot of heart and soul into this film, ultimately. And the connection she has with her daughter is kind of the point of the movie at the end. And it's the crux of the finale. Her connection with her daughter, I think, and it obviously happened in my theater, left a lot of audiences in tears. There's a a shot at the end, um, I'm not going to spoil it, where they do show some home video, and it was very touching. And I think that's all because of the point that Gerwig put into Gloria and into her daughter in this movie to get that point across. And I really liked America Ferrera here. She was fantastic. She has a really good uh, monologue in the middle of the film that had people cheering and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked uh, those two characters. Now, as for Margot Robbie, I think she's fine here. She has a lot to do in this movie. But I think her character kind of comes off as mean-spirited in a way. Her antics and bullying of Ken is just its very upfront. But I think that's the point the film is trying to make. To be a strong woman in this world, you must shrug off criticisms, uh, shrug off the word uh, bitch and bimbo, and you must do what's best for you and beat to the tune of your own drum. And I was invested in uh, Barbie. There is some really good scenes in here with Margot Robbie, and I'll go into in spoilers. But her her performance here is fine. I don't think it's Academy Award worthy, but I do think it's fine. She is... Absolutely better than uh, Amy Schumer, and we'll talk about that later, too. But Margot Robbie here, 
she she's very good and uh i do not knock her down a peg she is the perfect casting uh choice to play a stereotypical barbie now we can't finish this review without discussing the incredible artistry that's on display here i mean from the gorgeous pastels of the set designs to the neon costumes the aesthetic of this movie is actually incredible it feels like we are watching a little girl playing with her dolls uh, I mean, the opening sequence where Barbie wakes up, goes down the slide, and she literally has like the plastic um, milk carton and is pretending to drink stuff. It's hilarious. It's really cute. It's adorable. And I think it resonates with audiences because of their familiarity with how they played with their dolls. It's incredible. I loved it. I think I wish I, I we had more of that in this movie, but... I'm just glad for the sequences and the minutes that we do have those in. The original musical numbers were also very good here. Ken has this amazing song. It's it's hilarious. And Gosling's voice is surprisingly really good. I mean, I watched La La Land. I loved La La Land. And Gosling does do original music there. But I think this is a, even more of a showcase. His range when it comes to musical talent and uh, acting talent. Even the opening scene, Pink, very fun to watch. And I think the energy of this movie is what's captivating the audiences. Now, we did mention the political overtones. I'm sad to say that for me, this movie felt like the Lego movie in a lot of aspects, especially since they use Will Ferrell and uh, Mattel. But it feels like the Lego movie disguised as a societal message but it's masquerading behind this like adorable plot and set design. And I think that's why there's so much backlash. People came expecting one thing, but the script subverts your expectations. And it is more of a political dissertation than it is a enjoyable adventure movie. In that way, it's different from the Lego movie, despite sharing a lot of plot points. Um, with that said, a lot of the plot points do get set up, but dropped by the third act. I mentioned that Mattel uh, storyline, that plot literally feels like it was in the original draft of the script, but just got left out by the end of it. They set it up. They still keep Will Ferrell. They still keep the Mattel plot line in there, but it feels so out of place by the third act and it goes unresolved in a weird way. I think they could have tightened that up quite a bit. It was kind of annoying having to go to the Mattel perspective on many of these plot points when Barbie and everyone was already back in Barbie land. Like I said, we'll talk about that after the credits, but that's just an example of a plot point being set up and getting dropped by the third act. Now, award season. Will this movie take any nominations or Academy Award trophies home with them? Yes and no. My Academy Award predictions for this movie is obviously it's going to be nominated for costume design, visual effects, production design, Depending on how the fall slate and the winter slate of films go, I could see this movie creeping in and getting a Best Picture nod. Possibly a Best Director nod for uh, Greta Gerwig. The script, Best Original Script, is going to be a bit tough. Can I see it getting nominated? Yes, but at the same time, I also think those plot points that got dropped and the direct messaging of the film being so upfront and in your face... 
is going to hurt it ultimately with the Academy votes. So I think it will get costume design, visual effects, production design, possibly best picture and uh, possibly best director. But I don't know if it will get best original screenplay. So if I were to rate this movie and we talked about it last week, last week I rated Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 for mozzarella sticks out of five. This week, I'm going to grade it on dream houses. So this movie, for me, gets a three and a half dream houses out of five. Or, as Ken calls it, the Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> um, three and a half out of five. I think that this movie is really incredible to watch. A bit too upfront and straightforward with its messaging, but overall, it does have a lot of good sequences here to be a good time. Would I recommend it to my niece? Maybe when she's older. But at five, she's not going to understand anything that's going on in this movie, and I think that's a big downfall of it. So three and a half out of five. It's a fun movie. I enjoy it, but I don't love it. If you're a woman and you grew up with Barbie, this is a home run. This is a knock out of the ballpark. There's nothing I could say that will dissuade you from thinking that way about this movie. It is a nostalgia trip. It is a empowering film for young women. And overall, I think it's going to uh, stand the test of time. I think it might get better with age, honestly. So with that being said, that was Act 2, which was my spoiler-free review. Let's go into Act 3. All right, guys, so Act 3 is where I'm going to give you the film reception, the budget, the filmmaking factoids, and let you know how this movie is doing. As I'm recording this on Sunday, Barbie's on track to make over $150 million on uh, on opening weekend, which means that it will be the largest box office opening of the year so far, beating out the Super Mario Brothers movie, which made only $146 million at the box office this year. It's crazy because everyone's talking about these blockbusters flopping, having these inflated budgets. And then we get two movies this week that are going to not only surpass financial expectations, but they are surpassing critical expectations. This is to say that audiences will show up to your movie when you make a good movie. It's not about IP per se. It's not about connecting a franchise or a cinematic universe. Audiences want to be entertained by really good filmmakers and really good plot points. And these two movies, Barbie and Oppenheimer, showcase to the world this week the power of filmmaking and how a good movie can bring audiences back. And Mission Impossible is holding steady. It's doing really well compared to last week. It's going to make its budget back, although being a slight financial disappointment in the eyes of the studio execs. But Barbie, on the other hand, it's a home run. Mattel and Warner Brothers, they have a bona fide hit, which means we are likely going to get a sequel. I don't know if the sequel is going to have the same political overtones or if it's going to have this messaging behind it. They very well fucked this whole thing all up, but the signs are pointing to Barbie being a absolute smash hit for audiences and for the critics. And it goes to say, 
who said female-led movies can't be blockbusters. This movie proves the point, and it's fantastic to see. I mentioned the critical and audience reception of this film. Right now, as we talk, it is holding 90% on Rotten Tomatoes with its critical rating and an identical 90% with the audiences, too. So, it's resonating. People are loving this movie. Despite there being backlash, the backlash is getting drowned out by the amount of positivity and good word of mouth that Barbie is having. So, the boycotts from these movies are coming from extremely conservative groups that find it unappealing because of its profound feminist messaging. Conservative groups are calling for boycotts, but the film is reviewing so highly, and the casual females that I've talked to who have seen this movie absolutely love it. And I think they're just getting drowned out, so the backlash is not working, guys. This movie is a hit, whether you like it or not. I've already said I think this movie will be getting a sequel. Now, whether or not that's going to have Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie return, who's to say? But if it's done on the level that this movie is, where the costume design, the production design is A+, I could see people coming back and watching a sequel. It's, it's, it's almost a surefire hit. I think it's going to happen. Now, for filmmaking factoids. The movie was originally set to star Amy Schumer, surprisingly, um, but she dropped out of the role and Margot Robbie got casted. There's actually some pretty funny dialogue pertaining to that situation in the movie that it addresses, and that's another reason why I like this movie. But yeah, Amy Schumer as Barbie, I don't think I see it. I think if they went ahead and casted her in this role... This movie would not have seen $150 million, I'm telling you that much. People do not like Amy Schumer. Both women and men don't like Amy Schumer. And uh, it was a good choice to get Margot Robbie in this role. Uh, during the filming of this film, it caused a global shortage of pink paint, according to CNN, LA Times, and news outlets. They used so much pink paint on the set design of this movie you cannot go to a hardware store and get the neon uh, fuchsia color that they used. With that also being said, they made it a point, the designers of the, of the set and the props, to not use a single ounce of black or white coating on the set. Everything you see in the shots of Barbie Land is either a pastel color, pink, blues, greens. It is fantastic to think about. <laughs> And another real big reason why I'm probably going to watch this movie again is because of the production design is just top notch. It just makes me appreciate the art of filmmaking for this movie so much. And that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode. It feels like I've been talking for only five minutes, but it's already been about 25 minutes long. We are finished with Act 3. So at this point, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, the episode is not technically over. This is where I tell audiences that have not seen the uh, the movie and that wanted to remain spoiler-free in hopes of seeing the movie later, pause the podcast. Come back to it when you're done watching the movie because right after I play the music for my outro, we will be going into spoilers. And we're going to be talking about the plot points and the direct messages that this movie had. So, if you have seen the movie, stay tuned. We'll be back right after the credits to discuss spoilers. I am Gil Garcia. I want to thank you guys for listening to another fun episode of Post Credits. Go watch a movie. 
This is a spoiler alert. This is a spoiler alert. All right, guys, welcome back. Now that we've gone past the spoiler alerts, it's time to dive into this movie, the plot points, and the not-so-subtle messaging that this movie has, and the reason why I gave it three and a half out of five. First and foremost, the film addresses the skeletons in the closet for Barbie. It acknowledges in a scene in a high school that Barbie is the culmination of years of public misperception of the female subordination and image of self-esteem. It attacks the idea that women must be perfect, they must be 100 pounds or less, with excellent body fatigue, uh, physiques and figures. And that aspect of the movie, I really liked. The scene where Barbie is getting tore down by those high schoolers is so emotional and it's so prophetic. I wish the movie kind of dove into that a little bit harder and made Barbie realize she isn't the hero of her own story. But it also does a nice little turnaround by the movie's end, that every woman Barbie persona is born out of this. And by the end, the audience has experienced the freedom of those societal restrictions, that every woman can be a Barbie, and that everyone has their own value in this world. And that, I think, is what people should take away from this film, is that every woman has her worth. Every woman is valuable. They are not these supermodels at all times. They are not these perfect human beings. They are not robots. And America Ferreira has an excellent monologue in the middle of this film that caused a lot of applause and ovations in my audience screening of it. And it basically encapsulates the thesis of this movie. And it's exactly what I said. Women are not robots. They are not these toys. They are not subjects of people's fantasies they are everyday human beings trying to make a living trying to work through their own problems trying to solve what they can solve and the message itself is so unapologetically straightforward and beautiful that i couldn't say that this was a bad movie in my conscience even though i know this movie is not built for me i acknowledge this is not a bad movie this is a good movie May not be intended for me, but I appreciate every aspect of this film that goes into it. It's it's fantastic. I wouldn't recommend it to all my bros, though. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I would not recommend uh, the everyday average person to go out and watch this, like uh, the average sports fan. But I think it does a good job of making itself engaging and entertaining for people that are not in the demographic in some aspects. One of those messages that we talked about when it came to Barbie's skeletons in her closet in the past was a very profound quote during that exchange with that uh, teenage girl where she tells Barbie that women hate women and men hate women. That's the only thing that they agree on. And it kind of stuck with me a bit. And this is where I think... Margot Robbie's performance gets elevated because before this, she was just fine. She was a happy-go-lucky, charismatic character. She thought she was the hero of her own story. She's super uh, optimistic about everything. She's like uh, a fish out of water, so to speak. But this quote leads her to start to break down. She begins to cry, and you see the emotive emotions out of Margot Robbie's face, and it gives her the best ethos of her character in the entire movie 
she begins to break that fourth wall and understand her existence and her purpose and why she is so heavily criticized by both men and women. And it's truly heartbreaking. And I think Margot Robbie stands out in this scene. And this is where I really fell in love with her and her character. And I thought no other actress could have pulled this scene off, especially not Amy Schumer. (laughs) But this is where I liked her. I don't think she's amazing in the movie, but I think she is great. And this scene showcases the best of the movie for her. Let's talk about Ken. Let's be straight up. Ken is an incel. (laughs) Although his antics are extremely misogynistic and cruel, though, Ryan Gosling does portray Ken as a very empathetic character. He's very pathetic. And you kind of sympathize with him because he's losing his control over the patriarchy, as we call it, um, over Barbie land. And it's, it's hilarious, but also very demeaning. And if it wasn't for Gosling's portrayal and our appreciation for Ryan Gosling's work and his acting, I don't think this character could have came off as empathetic or sympathetic. I think people would just straight up hate him he wouldn't be fun to watch on screen. Um, hell, if they got Channing Tatum to play this character, I don't think it would have the same effect. Ryan Gosling is perfect for this role. And I think they wrote it specifically to tune to his strengths, and that's why he works so well here. His rivalry with Simu Liu's uh, Ken <laughs> is another high point for me. The beat you off scene was extremely well-written, well-performed, extremely funny. And by the third act, when all the Kens are fighting each other in the uh, in the sand at Malibu Beach while the women are regaining control of Barbie land, it's hilarious, man. Like, that is funny, and that is clever, and I enjoyed that so much. But that also brings up a very negative for me. While... Ken is your stereotypical man. He's uh, overgeneralization and characterization of fragile masculinity. We have Will Ferrell and the Mattel storyline, which deals with men at a corporate level oppressing women. I think this storyline was going to have a lot more to do with the original script for the film, because about halfway through, this storyline kind of gets dropped for a bit and you forget about it. You get so invested with Ken and Barbie and Gloria and that storyline that you forget that the Mattel character, the Mattel executives are chasing after her, trying to get her back to Barbie land, which she goes back to Barbie land on her own volition. It was completely botched. It was unnecessary here. And although I love Will Ferrell and I think he's funny, I think that this was just absolutely pointless and it drags the movie down quite a bit. I did, however, like the shot of all the men in the suits riding that eight-person bicycle back to Barbie land, seeing them on Venice Beach all in these uh, corporate suits with pink ties, like riding bicycles on Venice Beach, hilarious. I like the visual of that. But the story itself, not very good there. And I think that might be the aspect of the film that is going to cost it a Academy Award nomination for Best Original Screenplay. Let's be honest there. Alan, the character that's played by uh, Michael Sarah, doesn't really have a lot to do here. He does get set up to have this like prophetic save the day moment at the end that you think is going to lead to this overall realization and epiphany for the character and his existence in Barbie Land. 
But no, it really doesn't go anywhere. I think um, Michael Sarah is funny in it, but the character really doesn't have much to do. It's kind of a misdirect. He doesn't have a bigger role than what you're expecting, and he just kind of fades into the background by the third act. So another high point for me would have been Michael Sarah, but like I said, he's kind of a throwaway character by the end, and I'm kind of disappointed by that. Another really good character in this movie, and she only shows up for about maybe 15 minutes, Ray Perlman. Ray Perlman plays Ruth Handler, who, if you guys don't know, is the creator of Barbie. <laughs> she uh, she got arrested in the early, 50, uh, early 60s, late 50s, for tax evasion with her husband over the funds pertaining to Mattel and their company. And the movie addresses it in what I think is one of the funniest jokes in the movie. Um, <laughs> she's having this heart to heart with Barbie telling her about like how Barbie was intended to be a reflection of Ruth's daughter at the time. And that she even takes her namesake <laughs> and she tells Barbie to let's just forget about all the tax evasion and criminal activity I did in the past. <laughs> It's hilarious, man. I love that. That is a very funny joke. (laughs) And when I researched this all before the episode, it's all true. Yeah, Ruth Handler was forced out of her company because of the tax evasion costs. That also put her on a probation uh, with the police and uh, the state. It was pretty wild. Um, If you haven't had a chance, just research the dark history of Barbie, and they'll go into the, the details of Ruth Handler. But that plot twist was great. I enjoyed that (laughs) very much. The other cameo that I want to talk about, John fucking Cena, dude. There's (laughs) there's a scene where Barbie comes back to Barbie land after Ken has taken over everything. And all the Kens are saying hi to her. (laughs) And out pops John Cena as a merman saying, hi, Barbie. It's hilarious, dude. Like, I was so taken <laughs> taken for a surprise by that. I-, I couldn't help but laugh. Another really high point for me. And then, of course, they do reference the joke about Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer, as we've mentioned, was originally supposed to be the star actor actress of this film. But she dropped out. And in the middle of the movie, there's a joke where Barbie talks about being ugly because she doesn't have her makeup on. And the overhead narrator says, well, that's not true. Margot Robbie is actually very stunning. However, if this was a different actress, that point could be made. <laughs> it's it's like dropping a mic. It's so hilarious. And it's so clearly intended to be at the expense of Amy Schumer. It's funny. Those are the kind of jokes that I wish this movie had more of. If this movie was full of that, this would be a four out of five, a a four and a half out of five. This would be one of my favorite movies of the year, but instead it just comes off as very good. I enjoyed it a lot. I think talking about it in this podcast has made me appreciate it a little bit more, but we can't, this can't be said without the political overtones. I wish the dialogue was a little bit more held back. It wasn't so in your face about things. And I wish it it understood the difference between satire and lecturing so, and that's also what I want to talk about before we end this podcast. The conversation around the film pertaining to the conniving politically charged propaganda piece 
Everyone wants to say that this movie is propaganda, and I believe it does border on that sometimes. But I feel like this is the movie that needed to have that message slap you in the face. Hundreds of movies go unseen every day with these societal lessons and facts, without ever getting a sniff or hint at their importance. The movie reaches its audience in exactly the platform to showcase the follies and the hurdles that women have to go across to overcome adversity. Will younger audiences understand that point? Maybe not, but that's the beauty here. This is a movie that serves both generations of women. Young women can love the movie for the spectacle and the humor that will keep them glued to the screen, while the older adult women will appreciate the message behind everything that's being presented here. We've said the word home run a lot on this podcast. I didn't expect to say that, and I apologize for saying home run so much, but this movie really is a home run. It it hits on both demographics that they wanted to hit on. If you're a man going out to see this movie, just prepare yourself. This movie is not intended for you. It's not made with any subtlety. It's It might rile you up. It might anger you. You may want to walk out of the movie, but I think that this is something to hold on to continue to watch it the whole way through before making your opinion and see how the movie resolves itself. Because I think the resolution at the end is prophetic. It's good for both male and female audiences to understand. And that's why I can't in good conscience say that this is a bad movie. This is a very good movie. It's extremely well made, despite the fact that it does hammer its message over your head quite a bit. So that ought to do it for me. I feel like I managed to rattle off the last bit of this movie pretty fast, and I'm actually pretty proud of this. This was a lot of fun to do. I wrote over 1,500 words for the review of this episode in preparation and research, and I think that this is probably the most fun I've had looking into a movie and researching a movie that I didn't really love, per se, but I do love talking about it. This movie will have legs to stand on after it comes back to VOD. People revisit it. And as I mentioned before, it will get better over time. I think people are going to look back fondly at this and be like, oh yeah, it wasn't just a Transformers movie. It wasn't just a Legally Blonde or Pretty in Pink or any of those stereotypical uh, 80s films. This is of its generation, of its time. It is prophetic, it is profound, it is politically divisive, but at the same time, highly enjoyable. And that's all I got to say on Barbie. So I want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, I would appreciate a like and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I will be back in a couple days with my Oppenheimer review, and we'll get back to our weekly schedule on Monday. So for Gil Garcia here with Post Credits, Go watch a movie.